welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? My name is Dalton Schaefer. Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Podcast. Uh, We're on YouTube and also available in whatever podcasting app that you listen to. Today, I'm on with a good, good friend of mine, Pat Anderson. How are you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? I am great. Uh, Pat, tell us a little bit. I know you really well, but my listeners don't. And so tell us, uh, where do you serve and what is your role? Yeah, I'm in Northwest Arkansas in Rogers, and I serve at Fellowship Bible Church, and uh, it's a complicated church. It's uh, Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas, but we have campuses in Fayetteville, Rogers, and then we're about to have one in Bentonville, and multiple congregations on campus, off campus. So it's a really cool church to be a part of. I'm the worship pastor for Fellowship Rogers, and there's a lot of other worship pastors on on the team, uh, for different congregations. So, yeah, very cool. Pat and I have known each other for a long time, not as worship leaders, but I was, uh, just a punk kid in like middle school and high school. Uh, and Pat was trying to chase me down with the gospel and, uh, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I kind of avoided Pat a little bit. And then, uh, the Lord saved me when I was 20 and I bumped into Pat at a slim chickens restaurant. And I was like, Hey dude, I gave my life to Christ and I lead worship now. Uh, and that was, I mean, that's kind of how I remember it going. It's been seven years since, since that, uh, kind of getting back together. Um, but man has had a huge influence on my life, become one of my good friends. We've written some stuff together. And so got a song coming out soon in August of this year, uh, that we wrote together called we crown you. I'm excited for that. Uh, but today what we want to talk about is pastoring our people. And so we know that in the worship world that we feel the tension between production, especially at churches, like we've both kind of been at multi-site larger churches, several thousands of people, not just thousand, but thousands Mm -hmm. of people. We can feel this tension between high production and a high level of pastoring our people. And so uh, today we just want to jump right in and begin to talk about that tension. Uh, And so I've got some questions. We'll kind of flow through this in a conversation style. Uh, But I just want to ask, have you seen this trend in worship ministries uh, and leaders over to overemphasize production, maybe over pastoring or the importance of actually leading our people pastorally? Do you, do you sense that in the, in the kind of the culture at large of worship leading? Oh yeah. I, I sense it everywhere. I think it's, and I, I think it's not even a new thing. Like I grew up, um, my yeah. dad was a worship pastor, Southern Baptist, missionary Baptist, some large churches. I grew up, you know, early nineties with all the Christmas cantatas and all the plays and all the things. And I was like, man, this is, this is interesting. And in our day and age, uh, I really, especially being at a large church and, and seeing, especially with COVID, everything going online, like the production values going up and up and up with live stream yeah. and everything. Um, and we're releasing music. And so there's always that tension of how do we compete with all the other major Christian artists out there? And, and I don't like that word compete. Um, and, and so it's all around us and there's a tension of, hey, we want to at least meet that standard of excellence. Yeah. We want to meet that level of production. And then we feel like we failed when we can't, you know? And so yeah. um, definitely having a lot of those conversations. 
Yeah, I think you're getting at, at kind of what I want to talk about too, which is it's not just something that we see outside in the worship culture. It's something that we experience in, in our own hearts. It's mm-hmm. like this this pull, man, we're recording music, we're releasing, you know, we've got a lot of people watching online. We have a lot of people in the room and the church down the road is doing this. We want to try to compete or at least keep up with, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Many people say, uh, and the reality is we have that tension. There's something inside of us that wants to compete. We mm-hmm. want to be compared to other people and we want to be compared higher or at least on par with, I think that's something that I've heard other churches talk about a lot. And even, even when I was on staff at fellowship Bible church in central Arkansas, not Northwest Arkansas, uh, something we talked about a lot was choosing camaraderie over comparison. Mm -hmm. And so like the tension is we want to compare, but the reality is we're not competing with other churches. We're actually on the same team doing the same mission and we're all better because we're all here. And so it's not which church does production the highest, which one has the best music, which one's doing the best preaching, but it's actually like, because both of us are doing this and our unique expressions, we're actually stronger together than we mm-hmm. would be apart. And so yeah, that's I fully something I agree think about with a that. lot. Yeah, I fully yeah. agree with that. And it's really a question of like, what are you aiming at? You know, are you aiming yeah. at this comparison? Are you aiming at ministering in your local context, you know, to your team, yeah. to the people in the church, ministering to God, glorifying him? It's, it's, what are you aiming at? And I think there's a yeah. lot of distractions around us right now. And there's a lot of expectations yeah. people bring, you know, to the table of like, totally. hey, whether they're visiting our church for the first time, they're like, oh, that's a mega church. And they have this picture of what that looks like. And then yep. they show up, you know, and it's like, well, this that's not what I thought it would be. And my prayer yeah. is that they would have that. And it wouldn't be, this isn't what I thought it would be, so I'm going somewhere else. Uh, my prayer is that they say, this isn't what I thought it would be, and this is better, you know. Yeah. And, and so yeah. We, we're struggling uh, just to figure out fall launch, you know, we're, we're kind of back from COVID and I mean, how do we launch our ministry kind of relaunch in the fall with keeping that the main focus, man, how do we serve God? How do we promote camaraderie community amongst our team? And then how do we help our people understand uh, just a biblical view of worship? And the question of production looms, you know, large over our heads of like, how do we do services? How do we release yeah. music? How do we yep. do social media? How do we do web stuff? And my my tension sometimes is to just be like, well, none of that matters. You know, I'm just going to focus on being faithful and do this. And I really had to figure out how do I keep the main thing, the main thing, but also not like shun the things that I don't personally like because uh, totally. I'm, I'm highly introverted and it's like social media is not my thing, but if we just release a, a music video to YouTube, no one knows about it. No one's going to see it. <laughs> and so that's totally. a question. Um, so yeah, there's a lot we yeah. could talk about. Yeah. I think, I think you're getting at another thing, two, two things actually that, that kind of came. One is the next question I want to talk about, which is, you know, what's led to this. I think there are a lot of factors that lead to this, but then also the question of, do we throw production out or do we steward it? And is throwing it out maybe not the best way to steward the the resources that we have? Yeah. Um, and so we can talk about it because I'm about to move to a church planting network. Um, and so they're planting smaller churches, lower budgets. Um, a lot of it's set up tear down. Our church is a little at seven years old uh, in our network of churches. The church I'm going to, Candeo, is like one of the more established churches, uh, which is 
kind of funny because uh, it's so young. Um, but they have some different philosophies around production that I'm starting to learn the language that they use. And we can talk about that some later. But yeah, what do you think are some of the factors for you? Maybe make it personal for you. What are the factors that have led to you uh, maybe experiencing some of this tension of production almost where maybe we tend to, I don't, I don't think we do this. I hope we don't do this, but we can neglect pastoring our people. Well, what oh, do yeah. you feel like uh, leads you to that place? Man, that that's a big question. And maybe I'll say this before I, I get there. Cause this is where my mind is going. Um, production is something that happens no matter what your intentions are. You're producing yeah. a service. And so yes. it's just the question of, is it going to be a good service or is it going to be a bad service? And then what's our yeah, rubric totally. for grading that? Um, because I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen good production. I've seen bad production and I wouldn't even say that the rubric for that is lights and sound and smoke and all that. I think it, the way I grade it is more on the, on the scale of shepherding and pastoring because, um, I think we can have all the toys and still miss the mark. And so we're producing a service. And so when I think producing, I think planning a service. And so I think it's the job of the worship leader to in production, pre-production to use that term, is to plan the service with your Bible and prayer and think about how you're going to shepherd your congregation through this and how you're going to proclaim the gospel, how you're going to shepherd your team through this, areas of skill and areas of devotion for the service. And then hopefully the lights and everything else will complement that, that message. Yes. And so I, I know this may sound a little cliche, but I think to answer your question, what brought us to this point is that comparison and competition with the world. You know, um, a lot of people say going into a large high production church feels like, you know, the concert they were at Friday night. And so there's this idea of we need to entertain our people to, yeah. to captivate yeah. their attention and then sneak the gospel in there kind of, you know, subtly, uh, subliminally yeah. or, yeah. uh, implicitly. And it's like, no, yeah. that that's, that's not the way that we do things here at fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that too. It's like, it's like sometimes we think that God needs our help if he's going to really reach his people mm-hmm. and God, God doesn't need us. This is like the great thing that takes all the weight off. This is something I've told my team a lot. This is something I remind my heart of. God doesn't need you. Mm-hmm. God wants you. Mm-hmm. And what's better than being needed, being needed is the heavy yoke of earning and working hard and never being good enough and saying, oh, if I could have only done this better then more people would have been saved. God doesn't need us, but he desires that we would partner with him in ministry and being wanted and desired by God is the light yoke of Christ that says, come to me, all who are weary, burdened, mm-hmm. heavy laden, I will give you rest. You get to share the gospel. You get to be participants. But if you don't do it, someone else will like, God is gonna have his way. There is not one name. Oh, I'm convinced of this. There's not one name written in the book of life who at the end of time, God's going to go, well, I wrote him down, but they didn't make it because this guy didn't have a cool enough light show at his church. Yeah. yeah. I'm convinced. I, I'll stake my life on it. I'm convinced that that's oh, yeah. true. And I'd be interested <clears throat> to ask you a question. Like, what are some of the, like the most impactful services in your life where you've, you know, felt the presence of God and you've worshiped the most. Um, I was off a few Sundays ago 
and one of my teammates was leading. And I just went to church with my family. And, you know, it was kind of, a, it wasn't a full band, but it was drums and electric, but it was more uh, kind of stripped back acoustic feel and low production, you know, just not a lot yeah. of production, just a lot of shepherding. Like there was a long call to worship. There's reading of scripture through Hebrews. We're in Hebrews right now. And man, it was, it was so meaningful uh, to me just to hear and be shepherded well, you know, hear the word of God, be shepherded well by brothers that I, I partner with in ministry. And I, yeah. I kind of walked out um, afterwards with my wife. I was like, man, that was awesome. She's like, yeah, that was awesome. And then we yeah. had family in town and they were like, man, that was really good. And so just those, you know, I have had moments, you know, whether it be like at passion conference or worship night concerts um, or even more high production services in church here where I've been like, man, that was awesome, man. Yeah. That was kind of a benchmark deal for me spiritually and, and worship. But then those times around the campfire or, you know, out at a retreat or an acoustic Sunday when, when it's just me and a guitar, just hearing the people sing, uh, those, yeah. have, those have really meant a lot to me. Yeah. I would say the same for me. It's, you know, I got kind of roped into leading worship so early in my Christian walk. That's like most of my, the large majority of my services I've been in, I've been on stage for. Mm -hmm. um, but I think of the few that have been really impactful where I'm not on stage. I'm just in the room. And I think of uh, going to the doxology theology conference and mm -hmm. hearing Jimmy McNeil uh, from Austin stone read like all of uh, Isaiah 52 and 53 in just one go. And just being overwhelmed by the mm. Lord's work in Christ being revealed through the the prophet Isaiah saying what would come true of, of Christ in the future. And just looking at that and just standing in awe, I think mm -hmm. of uh, a confessional time that Michael Bleeker led at one of the uh, same kind of thing in a session, uh, just a, a chance to confess our sins, no impressive music or, or build. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of uh, this past Sunday, going back to my home church as we're in between this move, uh, there was no electric guitar player just an acoustic it was acoustic drums bass and keys uh it wasn't super impressive uh if anybody from <laughs> from that church is listening uh it wasn't that it was bad it was you know not distracting in any way but it was mm -hmm. great lyrics the bible was opened and read that the worship leader a friend of mine bailey uh, had us all read out loud this passage from the psalms and i was just overwhelmed as we sang at the end of that yet not i but through christ in mm -hmm. me the gospel washing over me, reminding me, like, I don't have to earn anything. Like we're about to step out in faith and go be a part of this church playing network. And the Lord is good. And he's with us every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments for me. It has nothing to do with like how good it sounded. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that we come back to a lot is the idea of undistracting this is a John Piper quote, undistracting excellence. We don't want ministry that's so impressive mm -hmm. that it distracts us or shoddy ministry that would pull us away. So miss notes, I'm like, yeah, if we can uh, avoid miss notes and being, you know, too out of, you know, out of pitch or out of key or whatever. I think that like, honestly, like we don't need movers. We don't need haze. And if you have those things, those aren't bad. Mm -hmm more power to you if, if, if that helps enhance. But I think when those things begin to pull our attention away from Jesus, and this is kind of uh, one of the things I, I want to talk about for just a moment is this idea of platform, which mm -hmm. is not bad. Like platforms are a thing. Like we, we treat platforms, this like ethereal, like social media platform. Mm -hmm. uh, but for most of our churches, there's a, a 
a literal platform or a stage that the band stands on. Uh, and so platforms aren't inherently bad. In fact, like they can be helpful. Like you get up, it helps people draw their attention. Maybe a microphone helps them hear what you're saying more clearly. Uh, if you didn't have a microphone, they wouldn't be able to hear you. So these things aren't bad, but I think, uh, and this is something I read in a Matt Papa book called look and live. He, he paints this picture of like the moment strikes, the service begins. Uh, and he's painting this picture of Moses. Um, and you think about numbers, uh, where, uh, the people sinned against God and against Moses and he sent out fiery serpents and everybody's dying, right? They get bit, they're dying. Uh, and then the people repent. It's God's grace that they began to die because that's what led them to repentance. And as they're repenting, uh, God's like, okay, you know, make this bronze serpent, set it up and everybody who looks at it will live. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then in John three, we, we see, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the son of man be lifted up. So now we see that this is really a parable. I think it's a true story. It's historical, Mm -hmm. but it's also a parable for what Christ would be. The people were, you know, smitten by sin and they're giving themselves over to sin. And now they look, the serpents bite them. They're dying. Now they look at a serpent. Well, for us, it's flesh. We're bitten by sinful flesh, but now we look at the perfect flesh of Christ and we live and we have the chance to be like Moses and lifting up Christ. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we get to that moment and we make Jesus the pole. And on top of the pole, we put ourselves and our music and our production that's not how it's meant to be. The The music and the production is the pole. Mm-hmm. And on top of the pole is Jesus. The thing that we lift up that people see is Christ. And if we give them anything else, my pastor, Jason, who I've worked with, Jason Beams for the last three and a half years, he says, if we give people anything less than Jesus, then we failed. We can't afford to give people anything mm-hmm. less than Jesus. And I think that we can use production like a pole on which Christ would then be exalted. And he doesn't need the most impressive pole. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be a pole. It needs to work. It needs to function. It needs to be undistracting. Yep. But when we flip that, and I think that's the tension we feel, is that we tend to flip it and we make Jesus the pole. And on top of it is, you know, my social media stuff and my songs and, you know, how mm-hmm. cool does my church look and the photos I get from Sunday and what I can post about. And so I think in my own heart, and we can talk, go back and forth, I have felt that pressure from lead pastors that I've worked mm-hmm. with. I, I don't know if you've ever felt that. And I, I don't know if, you know, what's caused that, but I think that there maybe was a trend at a time. And I think we're moving out of this some where there was like a really high value on production. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being in a setting where I was like, Oh, I don't need any lights or haze. And I was being told like, actually, no, you do need those things from, from leadership. I was like, Oh man, like, do we really need? So I feel like sometimes it, it's like this perceived like need, Like we say we need things that are just extra add-ons. But I think a lot of it is just looking. I think social media is the cause of a lot of the tension. Mm -hmm. And this is something I said, you know, I had a lot of people DMing me about this. You know what I'm about to bring up. Mm -hmm. But the stage dive, the Brandon Lake stage dive at Elevation. It's like we see these things and it's like, look at what they're doing. Like that's the level of hype that we need. And I I don't want to judge his heart. We talked about this like, Man, if he leapt in faith, like anything that we do that's not in faith, that's sin. But if he leapt in faith and like, you know, I, I don't, I just don't want to judge him. I mean, he might have just been having fun and it's not wrong to have fun. Can we say, can we recap as Christians? Oh, yeah. Can we capture like, you mm-hmm. can have fun. And that's Christian, something you can have fun. I personally am challenging myself in, you know, I, yeah, I grew up totally. Southern Baptist and it was pretty, um, at least the churches that I was in, um, 
I was led well. My dad was a worship pastor, and then after him, I got to experience yep. good leadership. But just our church, you know, if they stood spontaneously or had one or two people lift a hand, it was like, oh, that was a good Sunday, you know? And yeah. so I'm yeah. challenging myself to celebrate more. Uh, like I, have to, I feel like I have to give myself the freedom to do that. And then I'm yeah. trying to figure out, man, how do I um, shepherd our congregation in that? And so, yeah, there's a ton to talk about on what you said. Yeah, on the I, I'm with you on the Brandon Lake thing. I know that's a hot topic right now. I think the way I view that personally is like, would I do that? And I I err on the side of caution uh, when I'm shepherding. I would people. love to see you stage dive that. <laughs> I would oh. I would pay money to see you. I'll give you two hundred dollars if you stage dive hey, at church. Check next out week. our live stream <laughs> on YouTube, Fellowship Project. No, um, <laughs> but like, there's just so much to talk about, um, and and I know we don't have all day. Maybe I'll try to answer some of those questions by saying the philosophy we have here at Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas. Because when I came here in 2013, it was my first full time worship leader job fresh out of college, fresh getting married, having our first kid, buying our first house, all this. And I was walking into this, like, I don't know what I'm walking into. Um, and I, I get here and we, we walk into our planning meetings and the, and the, the teaching pastors, we have a team is like, okay, this is how we do things here at fellowship. The worship pastor leads the planning meeting because, you know, the teacher may be up once or twice a month, but the worship pastor is planning the whole service. We're just bringing our peace. And so it's really like, hey, you are the producer of the service. You're taking yep. all these pieces, you're putting it together. And I remember our directional leader, who was the the first worship pastor here at Fellowship, Mickey, would say like, hey, what we try to do here at Fellowship is eliminate distractions. Yep. So what you were saying, you know, mentioning the John Piper quote, I think that's a huge thing that I internalized early here. And it kind of resonated with me because I felt like that had been my philosophy all along. I just didn't know how to say it. I mean, you can, you can give some commentary because you, you know, you were that punk kid in high school who saw me leave when I was really green. And so it'd be interesting to hear you talk about that, but, um, yeah, eliminating distractions. (laughs) Yeah. That's a huge thing for us. And so if, if it's lights or haze that, you know, the way we program it can cause a distraction or even if the room is too hot or too cold or if it stinks in there or, you know, like all these things, um, we actually have a role. So there's a person on my team. Her name's Carrie. She's our production coordinator and, um, her role, like an actual staff role. Yeah. Yeah. So her role, she leads like service element teams, like communion, baptism, all this. And then she's either there has a volunteer there who, basically has her eyes on the service. Before the service, we pray. She runs through the service. Hey, are there any questions, any transitions we need to talk through? All these things. And her job is to make sure that communication happens so that things go smoothly, so that there's no distractions. And um, man, at first I was like, why do we need that? Because, you know, I'm the worship leader. I kind of told the team, hey, here's what we're doing. But once you've lived in it a while, and we do three services uh, on Sunday morning, it's like, it's a whirlwind, you know, you're on stage. You don't have time. Like if the, the projector goes out, you don't have time to stop everything, run back there. So we have production coordinator that does that. And it's a high value to eliminate distractions. And, um, another thing that 
comes with that is, you know, the word entertain, you know, um, I think you mentioned the Tozer quote the other day, you know, that the church, uh, that, that doesn't worship needs to be entertained. You know, I think there's, there's two ways to work at, to look at that word entertain. And there's one where it's like to amuse people, to distract people, to divert their attention. then there's another way to look at it, which is the older use of the word entertain. And that's to like captivate the mind and the attention. Yeah. And so my prayer has always been, we don't want to entertain people, like to distract them from what they're going through, to amuse them, you know, to tickle their ears or whatever. But we want to entertain people. We we really want people to be entertained with thoughts of Christ. We want their minds yeah. to be captivated by that. And so yeah. I think that leans into what Piper was saying of like, we need to eliminate distractions. We need to yes. try to lift people's eyes to Christ and the beauty of the gospel. And we just pray that we're instruments in doing that. And all we have to do is be faithful in that time. That's good. And That's so good. Um, production, you know, we just got to be faithful with the tools that we have and yeah. not envy those who have better tools than us. Um, totally because it's so easy to do that, especially in our world, whether it's, man, I want a better electric guitar. I want a better acoustic. I want a better camera. I want yeah. better volunteers. I want better players. And it's like, no, be faithful with what you've been given and yeah. um, shepherd well in that moment. And I think that's that's where production boils down to me is, am I being faithful with what I've been given? Yeah. And I think too, it's not just... Uh, like what you said about envying others, mm-hmm. but it's also like casting judgment against other churches that maybe do have more tools. Mm-hmm. I found it helpful to survey my own heart and say, if you were at a church that large, would you get rid of all those things? Or would then you want to be using mm-hmm. the same things that you're judging other people for using? Yep. And so I think we can tend to judge those who have more as being like maybe they're sellouts or, or not as, you know, not as faithful as my church that has almost nothing. Um, but we need to be honest about those things and just say, Hey, do I think this is the best way to steward? And if not, then I need to commit to stewarding my resources differently. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we have to like go after other churches and what they're doing. Yep. And I think about when I first got into ministry, I'll be honest, I came to ministry with very open hands and in a very pure heart. I, I did not... I did not want to enter into ministry. I didn't want to follow Jesus. I was like running as far away from God as I possibly could be. And the Lord confronted me, turned me, called me to repentance and saved me. And at that moment I said, Lord, I will do anything for you. Mm -hmm. Like there was nothing the Lord could tell me to do that. I wouldn't just be super excited about doing because he saved me. Mm -hmm. And so I I didn't want to be a worship leader, but I felt like the Lord called me to, I fell into, I wasn't trying, wasn't pursuing it. Um, but when I started, I had the purest motives of, I want to teach people the word of God. I want the words of Christ to dwell in us richly singing Psalms mm-hmm. and hymns and spiritual songs. I want to teach and admonish one another as we do it. But over time, I felt the pull towards the the more production, producing these things, polish, you know, performance, all these P words that, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of setting against pastoring, even though we know they're not all terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, what do you think, you know, what can we do? Maybe this is some practical tips. What can we do to combat that in our own heart? And then what can we do to practically start shepherding our teams? And, and maybe it's just as simple as going, Hey, worship leader, remember that you're a pastor. Like, remember that, that even if your title isn't pastor, even if your title is music director, 
you're pastoring people. If you're picking songs, then you're shepherding. You need to know theology. You need to know how to shepherd people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what would you say? How can we combat the tension in our heart? And then what are some practical things we can do to help pastor our teams and our churches better? I would say this is a timely conversation because I'm, I'm having some of those convictions and tensions myself kind of, you know, after COVID and, and producing video content and all this and being so like honed in on, okay, which camera shot are we going to use here? Oh, I got to tune vocals. I got to all, all this, all these things that weren't bad. We were trying to do the best with what we had to minister to our yep. people. That was good. But then going to live services, it's like, oh man, it. I think the temptation is uh, when you start, so you start as a worship pastor, you feel so humbled and you feel so dependent. You're just like, yeah. okay, God, yes. I shouldn't be on stage. I, I don't deserve this. I, I'm not any good. And there's this dependence of like, man, I have to run to your word. I have to pray. I have to seek your face. I have to run through the set three times before rehearsal so I know like what yeah. I'm even doing. And there's yep. this sense after like two, three years of like, I got that. Like this, mm. like no matter how much or how, how bad your stage fright is, whatever, you, you get to the sense, like you've been on stage 52 times a year in front of thousands of people or hundreds of people. It's just like, oh, it's another Sunday. And the tension yeah. for me is like, I found myself, I'd plan a service and I'm like, I know all these songs. I can play them in my sleep. I can sing them in my sleep. I can lead the band in my sleep. So I, I'd plan it, make sure charts are good, send it out. And then the first time I would sing through stuff is at rehearsal. And for a while it was like, okay, this is happening. But what was missing was, you know, a service. I'd be like, man, I don't know what to say in between this song, or I don't know how to like exhort our people to sing. And the conviction for me was, yes, I was planning services and they, they, God was using them, but I wasn't like shepherding our people through those services. And so a key tip for me is like, man, spend time in your office, wherever you need to, with whatever instrument you have, and just like play through the service as you're planning. Um, yep. Because you'll sense as God ministers to you, wh- where does a pause need to happen? What needs yes. to be prayed? Um, okay, maybe this isn't the right song. Um, and that, that's a huge thing for me. And then going into the fall, I think one thing we're going to practice is we normally do like five to six songs on a Sunday, and that's a lot. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to end up doing like, you know, four songs a Sunday and, uh, leave space for other elements, whether that's reading of the word of God, um, prayer, corporate prayer. And we, we already do those things, but, um, it's not consistent. It's more of when it comes up, whether it's like an idea from the worship leader or the pastor. And, um, I just think personal testimony, taking one song from the set list makes me fight or struggle so much more of like, what song do we sing? Because like, I'll get four songs in there and I'm like, well, wait, I want to do this song. And it's so easy to like, well, I'll just add it or I'll just, and, or I'll just put two songs together. And that's not a bad thing. But for me, I think being more intentional with the songs helps me shepherd better of like, we're singing the song, not just because they know it or because I want people to sing or because it's in the same key, but we're singing it because this is what the service needs. And this is what I feel uh, led to do. And so, yeah. man, I would, I would say 
allow the word of God and time in prayer to shepherd you before you shepherd others. Um, which, yeah, that's so good, man. Man, I yeah, I need to do it better. I'm trying to get in that practice again because it's so easy to go on autopilot, especially when you have so many irons in the fire, you know, yeah, across the totally. board. So yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think fight for desperate your desperation before the Lord, like fight to be needy mm-hmm. and not get to the place of feeling like it's easy. Those are great tips for, for leading and shepherding your church. I think some other tips I might have for shepherding your team now would be fight for time to pray together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, this last season for three and a half years, what my team has done is we've met uh, 10 minutes before the service to pray uh, we prayed and rehearsaled at midweek together. We prayed Sunday morning before rehearsal. We prayed mm-hmm. 10 minutes before the first service. We did a debrief after first service to talk through what went well, what can we do better? Where do we see God move? Then we would pray again. And so mm-hmm. my team prayed together like eight times a week um, because I believe like, Hey, if we do all the right things, but the Lord doesn't do a work among us, then it didn't matter that we did all the right things. Like we want to, we want to be desperate before the Lord mm-hmm. in prayer. And then I think team nights is the other thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like have values for your worship team, have, you know, three, four, five, six core values, and then let that shape the culture of your team. You will shepherd your people by developing a great culture, mm-hmm. a culture of prayer, a culture of desperation, a culture of authentic worship, a culture of the word of God being you know, prevalent and leading the way in your worship. So develop a culture and then shepherd your team in that. So I think the ways mm-hmm. you do that is by the language you use week to week, what you put emphasis on when you're with your team, but also through team night. So a couple times a year, our team would get together and I've, I've loved doing this. We would eat fellowship, mm-hmm. we would pray, and then we would do some teaching. It would be like yeah. culture investment into our team. And what that does is over time, you'll take your guitar player who maybe has been coming to church two or three times a month for a long time, but isn't super invested. And he'll begin to catch a vision for being a, a prayer warrior and a mm-hmm. vision for what true worship is and what it means to disciple people and lead people. Cause that's what you're doing. You are discipling your team. Yep. You're not just showing up. You're not just playing music together. You are discipling your team towards what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus who serves mm-hmm. in this capacity with, with music. And so, yeah. yeah, those are just a few of the tips that I have for, for how you might shepherd. And then maybe like well, you've done this, but like, stripping away you know it's the Mm -hmm. matt redman uh like i I, we talked about this a little bit but yeah i heard him tell that story about you know heart of worship that was not his decision his pastor came and it was like we're stripping everything away and he was like am i gonna get fired like did i just lose my job but like strip some stuff away if you feel Mm -hmm. like production is becoming a a golden calf idol in your church pull it away find out find out if that's an idol take it away and see if people like are mad and upset and if they have trouble worshiping and if they do don't put it back no yeah. like lean in to shepherding your people and so yeah and i would uh, yeah, that'd be yeah i would add to that like so i mentioned this when we talked earlier um you you cultivate what you celebrate and so yep. this idea of if fellowship with three services midweek rehearsal if someone serves on a sunday it's like a 10 hour commitment like yeah i don't take that lightly like, man, I, yep. I try to thank our team as much as I can because, man, 10 hours of volunteer service to the church is is huge. And yeah. a lot of our people are, you know, married with kids and life is crazy for them. Um, but we cultivate what we celebrate. And if we just celebrate like another good Sunday of like, man, that was awesome. 
if we celebrate the production or we celebrate getting through it without a mistake or whatever, then that's the team we cultivate. And I think this is kind of evaluating my own uh, leadership is like, man, I think I've cultivated a team that's efficient. And is that Mm. bad? No, but I think we're missing something. And so the heart of worship story, uh, I don't think our church is one right now where we're worshiping, you know, the production. But I do think sometimes the production gets in the way of the things that matter. So when you talk about core values for your team and all that, we sat down like, hey, how do we promote camaraderie, community, and our team and all this? And it was like, man, we're already asking our team to, you know, serve every Sunday, you know, not everyone serves every Sunday because we have a large team, but we're like, how do we do team nights? How do we do worship collectives? How do we get together and just have fun? And so a lot of that is we're going into the fall planning like, hey, there's going to be an acoustic set at least once a month to where we can have that time with our team. And then we're going to prioritize, man, we want this. And we know that maybe some production things are going to have to set on the sideline for a while while we build this worship culture. And that's one thing I've really struggled with as a, as a worship pastor is, man, how do I develop a healthy worship culture? And so maybe, you know, hopefully in a year or two, maybe we can sit down and I can say, Hey, here's how it went. We're right at the beginning of kind of relaunching in the fall. And, uh, man, it, it's such a huge responsibility. It's like, I don't want to mess this up and talking about dependency, man, it's, it's causing me to be like, God, what are you calling us to do as a team? How do we shepherd that well? How do we celebrate this so that it's cultivated amongst our team and pray that, you know, the people who come to church here, people who are part of this church, see the worship team as an example on this is how you're to worship. This is how you're to live in community. Um, so man, a lot of things swirling. Yeah, man. I would say too, just as, as we close up, I think, man, thanks for coming on. This was a great conversation. And if you're listening to this and you think, man, I don't have time to think about the culture of worship at my church or the culture on our team. I'm just trying to get songs out. It will do you well to invest in the worship culture of your church Mm -hmm. that will produce more long-term fruit in your discipleship than just trying to get songs out week to week. I know it's Mm -hmm. hard, but lift your eyes and think, what do I want my team to look like and our church to worship like a year from now and then build in values, put things in place, begin to pray towards that end. Too often we get caught up in the urgent, unimportant tasks Mm -hmm. and we lose sight of the non-urgent, very important task of shepherding our people towards Christ over the long haul. And so Pat, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was a great conversation. Uh, We need to do this again sometime, Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. And Hey, if anybody is watching this and they want to connect with you, I know you're not super big on social media, but how can they follow you and fellowship worship and everything you guys are doing? Yeah. uh, So I, I'm trying to remember my social media handle. That's how much I'm not on social media. I think it's at Jared Anderson underscore on uh, Instagram. So Jared's yeah. my first name. Um, but like like you said, I'm not very active on there. Um, maybe trying to be a little more active. Um, but fellowship worship is um, it's kind of our worship collective here um, with all of our worship pastors, volunteers, and we're putting out music. Um, really exciting. I feel like we're just now getting some momentum on how we can sustain it kind of with the week to week responsibilities. So fellowship dot worship on Instagram, Facebook, 
Um, we're actually releasing our first, uh, well, it, we're releasing an acoustic uh, EP. It's coming out tomorrow, which uh, I don't know when this is releasing, but it is, what It'll is that, June 18th will be. Cool. Uh, so it just came out. It just if came out. this now, it's, it's yeah, out. It'll be linked in the show notes. Yeah, in our YouTube channel, there's uh, we filmed them on the stage, and it was a lot of fun. And then we'll have a studio EP, the same three songs, acoustic version, and then studio. It'll be coming out July 2nd. And so cool. we're excited to release those, and then we're going to be recording an album in the fall. And so trying to figure all that out, talk about production, man. Yeah. That's that's a new world. Yeah. But yeah, we, we enjoy if you um, listened and pray that it would bless you, and then a huge thing that we want to do with fellowship worship is equip the church here, but also uh, if it goes beyond here, we just want to help other worship pastors do what they're doing. Totally, It's so much more than just, you know, a Spotify uh, channel or YouTube channel. We want to yeah. equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And man, I'm just one of the faces here. There's so many faithful guys I work with who've poured their heart into it. Yeah. So excited That's to good. see it go out in the world and see what, what happens? Yeah, man. It's all super congregational. I've been loving it. I think it's called I Belong to Christ. Is that yeah. the name? Yeah. 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 Such a good song. Really good. Well, cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Hey, if uh, if you found this helpful, uh, if you would like it and subscribe on YouTube or rate this in whatever podcasting app that you're listening to it in, uh, the whole point of all of this is to help you lead your church and lead your team in biblically formed worship in spirit and truth. So hopefully it helps you and we would love to see you in the next video or podcast if you're listening to this. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.